0: Thank you to the choir for such a beautiful anthem and to Regina for such a beautiful reading of that scripture. What a wonderful challenge it is on both counts to us to stay connected with our purpose here and that is to serve God well as we enter this new year. I know several persons who are assisting family members With the work of decluttering, I will not reveal who these persons are that I know. But I can tell you the strange thing is that the family members that are getting the assistance in decluttering, most would never choose to do this on their own. They have to be encouraged in that direction. Like barnacles on a ship, stuff claims us and thereby impedes our travel, consumes our energy. Life is like this, and without attending to these things, they can wreak havoc on what we truly seek in our hearts to do. Not letting things go can become, of course, an affliction a psychological affliction, hoarding as it is known. But it is not simply with things that are so tangible, but things that attach themselves to the ways in which we think that also do damage to who we are and who we wish to be. I remember as a child that as an an elementary school student in Macon at Alexander 4, a public school, that by the end of the week, the erasers were non-functional. Now, I had not given this much thought as a child until it was pointed out to me by the teacher of the classroom that she was no longer able to erase only smear that which had been written on the blackboard. And so I was one of the chosen few to be able to go out in the backyard where there was a playground but then make a left turn to come back and go down into the belly of that school, the basement, where there was a machine made out of cast aluminum that once you flipped it on, it would suck the dust right out of those erasers. (laughs) I was a powerfully chosen young man and looked forward to this activity every Friday in order that those erasers might be ready to go on Monday. These small tasks have such importance. This is New Year's. Surely you're thinking about something that you would resolve in your life to do to better who you are, to improve upon what you have done thus far. If you have not so thought There is still time left, not much time, but there is still time left to make a resolution in order that you might do a better job at living. It may be that you have already thought to yourself, I want to exercise, I want to lose weight, I want to accomplish a certain goal, but think about this prayerfully. Where are you in your relationship with Christ? Where are you in relationship with the world around you? John Wesley borrowed a covenant renewal service from the Puritans in his day that he admired the faithfulness of their lives. And every Sunday nearest to January the 1st, He would encourage all Methodists to be a part of renewing their covenant, their vow. In fact, it was a time specifically set aside to reflect and examine and renew and restore what had been lost. Because left to ourselves, life thistles out. I don't know if this is a part of what it means simply to be human, but I've never witnessed it otherwise, that you and I lose our focus without this place of spiritual renewal. Methodism for Wesley was a renewal movement, not that it simply had one beginning, but that it was set on this path of renewing itself and, in fact, renewing the church, which specifically for him was the Anglican Church, the Church of England. He had no intention of starting a new denomination. Methodists were supposed to be the leaven in the mix. They were the ones that were going to restore To the church of England, that which was the essence of following Christ. And yet as he reflected back on his life and on the church as it had become to be the Methodists at 83 years of age, this was in 1786, that John Wesley said, I am not afraid that people called Methodists should ever cease to exist, (laughs) either in Europe or America. But I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. A dead sect without the power is not our calling. Some of you know that we make a great point of saying when we have communion here and to share with you uh, that may be wondering, we will begin having our weekly communion next Sunday um, and carry that on until Easter celebration. And so we will have a season of of having communion every Sunday during this time. At those worship services where we have communion, Stephanie and I make a clear point of saying that this is an open communion, a communion in which everyone may participate. If you were here for our Christmas Eve communion service, you heard me say it then, that all are invited from the youngest in our midst to the oldest in our midst. Even if you are not a member of the congregation, you were invited to receive of Holy Communion, who are we to card people at the door, right? <laughs> now, I don't know when the transition came, though. I want you to think about this with me, because I've got more research to do about this. I've been in dialogue with another friend, a pastor here in our district, about this very matter. But Methodists have not always had open communion. This is... This is not something that's been around forever. In fact, Methodists had very, very closed communion for the longest time. In fact, for you to attend communion in a Methodist setting, you had to be an active participant in the small groups that were called classes and societies. And when you went for that Time of not just affirmation, not just study, but examination of your life for this accountability to be a part of your life. When you went to those meetings and were faithful to those meetings, you would be given what? A ticket, a ticket to then go and receive communion. How many of us would receive communion if we had to get a ticket, right? How many of us? Someone out of their good graces thought, finally, this is insane. We cannot function like a church in this manner. And so, somewhere in our past, that was dropped. But do you see the intense reason behind it and why John Wesley would have cared? Because he wanted us to be a people who were accountable to God and to ourselves, and that we would continue to be a renewal movement in just a few moments, we will be given the chance to prayerfully renew our covenant. And so I ask you the question, where is your heart in this? Are you in it right now? Do you sense within yourself God's spirit moving to prompt you to really focus on this important matter? Or is this of great sideline importance for you. The Apostle Paul's call is to the early church, specifically to the Gentiles. It's fascinating how he addressed them In the first chapter, he said, to all God's beloved in Rome who were called to be saints. He would include us in that address. He says in the 12th chapter, good and acceptable and perfect because he knows that once we have a clear picture of this even if it's not completely clear once we have better clarity on what god is up to <laughs> that our lives too will be affected by God's goodness and God's acceptable nature and God's perfection. Are you ready for this kind of covenant in your life? To renew it, to be serious about it, to take it on anew. There's the ancient tale of a wise old rabbi who was visited by a young scholar one day And when the young scholar was before him, the rabbi asked, what have you done thus far with your life? And this young scholar looked at him and immediately said, I have been through the Talmud three times. The old scholar, the rabbi, looked at him and he said, oh, but son, how much of the Talmud has been through you What is it about your life that is affected by your willingness to let the Old and New Testaments, as we affirmed just a few moments ago, direct our lives? What is it in your life that so needs to be renewed? I had a friend who gave me a gift a while back It was a book that was entitled 101 Things to Do During a Dull Sermon. He thought that was funny. (laughs) And I have thought on this. Um, God bless my children um, who have listened to so many of these things, you know, across the years. Um, They didn't have a choice but to sit in the pew and listen. (laughs) Um, My oldest daughter is here today, Margaret. Margaret. God bless you and God bless your mama too who has heard too many of these sermons. Um, It did me a world of good. Uh, Margaret probably does not even remember this, but when she was 14 years of age um, and having at that time, by my calculations, probably listened to 1,400, literally 1,400 of my sermons. Literally at 14 years of age, she would have listened to approximately that many sermons. She came and shook my hand as she left worship, as you do when we close worship at this door. She shook my hand and in her hand she put a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper that I read when I got back to my office, she had written her own affirmation. She wrote, I believe in an everlasting God who loves all, who sees all, and who knows all. I believe in a Messiah who loves us, who teaches us, and who walks with us. I believe in a loving spirit who is always there, who reminds us, and who is strong. By faith, we are brothers and sisters. By faith, we do not fear. By faith, we serve. And by faith, we believe in an everlasting God, a Messiah, a loving spirit, and a heavenly home. That's pretty good for a 14 year old, don't you think? Good gracious. Someone who was taking seriously the idea that we must be renewed. In God's holy covenant, we must be renewed. This is not a one-time thing, as I've said to you over and over again. It may be some who believe that the important question is, have you been saved? This is not our question. That is not a Methodist question. The Methodist question is, are you in the process of being saved? Do you hear me? Are you allowing God to do his salvific work in your life continually? It is the bane of our existence that we conform, we conform to everything, everything that is around us. The world wishes to claim us and you and I are called to greater things. Oh. Had I the elegance of Martin Luther King Jr., oh goodness, what a preacher he was. Oh man, he addressed this very scripture, this very scripture, these two verses of Romans chapter 12. He addressed these two verses in a sermon that he preached in 1963. You can pick up this little book. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. He published it, 15 of his sermons. But the one that is number two, I have been transfixed upon. For he talks about transformed non Conformism. And he says that the church has had such a struggle with this through the years. I'm not going to read a large portion, but listen to this. He says, he says that as the church began, we needed to recapture, we need to recapture the gospel glow of the early Christians who were nonconformist in the truest sense of the word and refused to shape their witness according to the mundane patterns of the world. Willingly, they sacrificed fame, fortune, and life itself in be- on behalf of a cause they knew to be right, quantitatively small, they were qualitatively giants. Their powerful gospel put an end to such barbaric evils as infanticide and bloody gladiatorial contests. Finally, they captured the Roman empire for Jesus Christ. Gradually, however, the church became so entrenched in wealth and prestige that it began to dilute the strong demands of the gospel and to conform to the ways of the worlds. Let me jump over to the next page and read just a short portion here. This hour in history needs a dedicated circle of transformed nonconformists. Our planet teeters on the brink of atomic annihilation. Dangerous passions of pride, hatred, and selfishness are enthroned in our lives. Truth lies prostrate on the rugged hills of nameless Calvaries. And men do reverence before false gods of nationalism and materialism. You see where he's going. Of course, his focus was civil rights. But he had adopted a Christ-centered approach that took seriously took seriously our calling to love our enemies. This is risky business. He knew it was risky business. You know his story and how he was shot down in April of 1968. It's always been risky business though. When Paul writes these words, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. He knows it's risky business. He is following a Lord who was crucified on the cross, who gave his life in order that you and I might be saved and become ourselves. Transform nonconformists. One of my very favorite little preacher stories is the one that is told by the nanny of Robert Louis Stevenson who said that when she was keeping him and was intending to put him down to bed one night that she could not find him in his upstairs bedroom and in searching the house finally found this little boy who was downstairs in the living area and he was peeking out the curtains to the front walkway of that house and she said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm watching a man poke holes in the darkness. When she looked out, all she saw was a lamplighter lighting the lamps. What he saw was incredible. Watching a man poke holes in the darkness. You and I, you and I are called to be people who poke holes in the darkness. Without renewal, that will not happen. This is who we are. And I know it's a tall order, but Wesley believed that we could do this. In fact, in the title of this sermon, what is good and acceptable and perfect, you may say, that leaves me out because I'm not perfect. Wesley believed that we could be perfect The way that he put it, we could be perfected in love. Our intention, every intention, even though we may make mistakes, our intention would be always loving. Are you ready for that kind of life? Are you striving for this? I'm looking at you now. Are you striving for perfection in love? Because my second question is if you're not, then what in the world are you striving toward? What are you striving toward? And so that being said, let us renew our covenant with Christ. Who are you? We are the people of God, to mark our Lord, to thank God's spirit, precious and honored in God's sight. But Who are you? We are the body of Christ, to have a of his church, filled by the Spirit, filled with joy, and strengthened for my life today. Who are you?